We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. Well, good morning. It's uh, about 11 o'clock Central Time on Tuesday the 31st. And today uh, we're going to have uh, uh, a tough discussion about euthanasia, but it will be lively because of my guest, which you'll see see her in just a little bit. But before we get started, I'd like to share some things about Grace. And today what would happen with Grace is she would be thankful for global warming. And the reason is, is because it started the day here in Wisconsin at nine below, 22 below wind chill. And so why would she be thankful for global warming? Because what would it be if we didn't have global warming? So Don, can you bring up a couple pictures of Grace? All right, so this picture of Grace changed my whole perspective of dandelions. This is my favorite picture of her. And so I was one of these guys that had to have the best lawn, all that crazy, uh, foolish stuff. And, you know, that changed, it changed everything when she brought this bouquet in for, for my wife, Cindy. So uh, it was, <laughs> I didn't have to do the fertilization, the weed control anymore. Everything mode looks good. So bring in the second picture, Don. Okay, so this is my little buddy. Uh, she <laughs> She decided to get all dressed up in... This, these costumes, uh, I didn't even know she had this stuff. And all of a sudden she comes down, uh, she's walking into my office here at, <laughs> at home. And oh my gosh, she was funny. I want to tell you a story that I've told uh, several times before, but it's come up because of something that happened this weekend. So Grace got my my literal humor and her and I would play off each other. So we go to a restaurant and this works for all non-Mexican restaurants. You ask them, uh, bring me, can you bring me some salsa? So they bring you, you know, a cup of salsa. It's not enough to feed a rabbit. You know, it's in these tiniest containers. So then I would always ask, uh, do you have any smaller containers? And Grace, uh, I mean, her and I had this down to a T and we'd let the waitress uh, stammer and she didn't know what to do for about 30 seconds. And then Grace would break the silence and say, my dad's just kidding. Well, how this came up is over the weekend, uh, Cindy and I were away this weekend at a at a retreat, and they allowed us to pick up a um, gift out of the basket. So uh, obviously, you see, this is a regular size pen, and so I did this in honor of Grace because you see this pen. And so the obvious question now is, do you have any larger pens? And the answer is, yes, we do have larger pens. All right, so now we're going to move on to. Uh, well, we got one more before we move on to our, our, our discussion today, because we're on the little literal humor. And there was a book that Grace and I read called Morris and Boris. And I'm just going to have a 10 second clip out of this book so you get a sense for how this humor works. Three stories about Morris and Boris. Chapter one, The Riddles. Boris the bear met Morris the moose. Do you like riddles? Boris asked. Morris asked, how do they taste? So you get you you get it now. And there's going to be more of this as, as we go because I can't get enough of that humor. 
Anyway, today's theme, as I mentioned earlier, is on euthanasia. Uh, what's What the continual theme is, is shedding light on evil. We're God's people exposing evil. And the purpose is so that you don't have lack of knowledge. And so we're hoping that this program and specifically this show today pricks your heart so you stop believing in men and start searching. So I'm going to ask uh, this open question. And once I bring Kate in, I'm going to ask for her answer to it to get things rolling. So the question is, if a gunman kills two people and is caught, what happens to him? So Don, can you bring Kate in, please? Welcome, Kate. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. And Scott, it's a real honor to be on your show. And uh, from my heart, this is for Grace and every other Grace that's been murdered and is going to be murdered. And uh, people need to realize that this is ongoing and it's gone on for a very long time. These are casualties of war. They, they, they are. Uh, I, I just will give you a little bit of background on how, how, you know, Kate and I haven't met. She lives in the UK. What time is it there right now, Kate? Uh, it's, it's, it's fat cat Dave time. He's back. <laughs> <laughs> He's back with a vengeance. Uh, it is, um, it is that you do realize there's no such thing as time. It's 17 minutes past five in the okay. evening. So it's, it's so just you're six out, you're six dark. hours. Six hours yeah, ahead it's of us. Yeah, to get dark because we have this ridiculous uh, thing where they change our clocks in winter. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we have that too. So Kate and I did have never met, but we we got introduced to each other at the beginning of December, and I had a couple of very long conversations with her, and she challenged me to dig up the goods on euthanasia in the United mm. States, and. I have. I mean, I have hundreds of hours in because of this lady of research, and it's been fantastic. And we're going to share some of that today. But uh, Kate, that the question I posed at the beginning, what happens if you catch a gunman after he's just shot two people on the street? Well, exactly as it should be written in scripture, or all of our laws are based on those laws in scripture. Uh, guilty until, uh, sorry, innocent until proven guilty, that person would be arrested and removed from that scene so that they would have a fair trial. And uh, then all the evidence would be collected, would be collected to determine what had actually happened. Uh, the victim, the, the weapon that's been used and the perpetrator. Um, Absolutely. That's, that is what happens. That's exactly what would happen. The reason I'm bringing this up is my daughter Jessica brings this up regularly, and she's right on. We have doctors and nurses who are murdering people in the hospital every day, and they keep going. Nothing is happening. Uh, and it's so frustrating. Why don't we do the same thing with them that we do with the gunmen on the street? So, uh, well, we're not going to dive into that more, but I, I wanted to bring that up in honor of Jessica because she's just been a real blessing through this whole fight. But Kate, I would normally do the introduction of you. I, I told people how, you know, we, we technically have not met, but met through um, the Sons of Liberty program Tim introduced us. So uh, I've had the privilege of getting to know Kate, but 
I normally would go through your background, your bio, but because of your accent and your sense of humor, I'd like to t have you tell people about yourself versus me. <laughs> so go ahead. I, I just have to introduce you to Fat Dave because he literally is on every single interview and radio show that I do and nothing will deter that cat. Um, well, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a child of God. That's the first thing. That's the very first thing. And that's my boss. And uh, that's the only person I answer to. And it's the only person I fear. It's the only person I fear. So I am 57 years old. And I'm the youngest of three daughters, daughter of a postman. We were working class from the Midlands. And um, I kind of fell into nursing when I was 18. It was a bit of a, one of those things of I just needed a job. And I fell into nursing. And I thoroughly had a good time in my training. And then I worked as a nurse in, in different areas. Then I always used to lie on the garden and watch the birds going over. And I wanted to be free. That's exactly what I used to think. Well, I did. I joined British Airways, the world's favorite airline, uh, but not really. Um, and I flew the world and got paid for it. It was just like going on holiday and being paid and throwing out some meals in between. And um, I traveled everywhere that a 747 went. And then I met the love of my life, my ex-husband. It's quite funny saying the love of my life, but he's my ex-husband. Um, and I had four children in quick succession, uh, by the grace of God. And they were, um, three of them, the first three were IVF, by the grace of God and a bit of science. Um, and then my last one. And I was a full-time mummy then for eight years. And then I decided to go back to nursing. And I, I had nursed part-time while I was flying. I went back to get my registration back at university and I began my business and everything was going well at 46 years of age with four young, youngish kids. One was uh, 12, 13, and then the rest were down all within four years. I was diagnosed with a very aggressive and deadly breast cancer. Um, I had private health care, not just the NHS. And then after reading three independent peer reviewed studies, I realized that this was not going to end well for me. And my husband and I embarked on this incredible, re it was mainly him really, I have him to thank for really directing me. But I was to follow after surgery, um, a natural way to heal. Uh, I declined chemo, radiotherapy, tamoxifenzolidex, and I did the Gerson therapy for two years, B17 therapy for two years, uh, high dose vitamin C for two years, and mistletoe injections for one year. And I did the healing code uh, prayers for, for forever, really, because I've carried on. Anyway, I'm alive and well and cancer-free 11 years on. Wow. Now, so, yeah, so I realized that uh, medicine, it really is um, just sorcery. Apart from emergency care, and I worked in the emergency room, the rest of it is just really what's created with the Food and Drug Administration. They make you sick, keep you sick, uh, treat you, kill you, um, dispose of you and charge you for the pleasure all the way along. And how do they get you sick in the first place is with the vaccines. I mean, right down to even when I look back, the, the terror that is put through pregnant women of a certain age. And I was classed as an older woman when I had my children. And so you have a nuchal fold test because you're encouraged to abort your Down syndrome children. You're encouraged to abort any child who doesn't fit the bill. We can talk about that more because of the latest that's coming out with CRISPR technology. Anyway, I... Um, the last part of my healing really for me was to get divorced, which I did. 
two, uh, two years post-diagnosis. Now, when COVID-con hit, the pandemic scamdemic for the virus that's never been isolated, and if you're still believing that, you know, you really need to shake yourself and have a good word with yourself in the mirror. Um, I had already read all these books and I'd already sort of read and watched footage of what was coming. So when it actually happened, um, I was like, oh, now in my lifetime, I was actually working for a local radio as health and wellness expert. I never called myself an expert. They did. And I happened to do 21 minutes, which I live streamed to my Facebook account, I had about 5,000 people on there. It's actually my pinned tweet on Getter. Please do go and watch it. And that was February of 2020. And it's like a crystal ball of what I said. Well, that was to propel me. Uh, 48 hours later, that video was 2 million views. And my sister was calling me from Australia. You're on the news. And I, I actually knew I was in trouble. Um, I'd read all these books, you know, where they all the books that were written by all these operatives, you know, they all get popped off, don't they? Um, so that was it then. Um, I got the sack from that radio because they were gutless men wanting to be DJs. And um, I got offered the, the post with Tim Brown. He interviewed me and said, do you want to come and come on our show? Um, I then just thought, well, in for a penny, in for a pound now, you know, I've caused a rock, ruckus, I may as well carry on. Well, at that point, because I suddenly had... I think I ended up with nearly a million few, a million followers on all my platforms, which incidentally, they took every one of them down by Twitter within one hour. Um, I started to get doctors and nurses and patients, relatives contacting me very quickly. And I would do a newsreel straight away every day. And I was being told of murder. I was actually being told of murder that was happening. Um, they didn't dare speak about it. I was getting nurses saying, look at this footage. They're saying that we're full in the hospital. Look, we're empty. And, uh, and I, I don't like injustice. And, you know, God decides the hour and the day of my death. So they don't scare me. Um, in actual fact, I always say to my friend, you know, if I die, please make sure you set my eulogy that I'll be laughing up there because I always like to be first. Um, <laughs> I would, no one ever remembers silver. They only ever remember gold, don't they? And I'd be saying, I'll be there first. Uh, looking down at the rest of you, say, well, thank God that one's over. Um, but, so, you know, they... At that point, Jesus tells us to turn it around. So that's who I am. That's what I've been doing. I've been graced with these four young adults who I might not like them sometimes. I'm sure they don't like me often, but I love them. And my two chihuahuas, my four cats, uh, neighbors that don't talk to me anymore, but who cares? Um, I've got lots more people now. And I set up the British Nursing Alliance. But all these nurses who said, I don't want to kill anyone anymore. They're killing people. And they won't do what the government is saying. So we've got all these nurses. And it's not just British nurses. It's nurses from all over the world, people who want to be nurses. So this is what our aim is, to uh, retrain the nurses so that they can be real ministers of healing and live among their communities and teach the people how not to get sick so they don't rely on this pharmacare and these gangsters that we, you know, we call politicians and doctors, you know, that we, I don't, that people Id idolize these frauds. Um, so that's what I did. I became the voice in the UK. I led, uh, I emceed rallies, big, big ones in Trafalgar Square. I got arrested. Actually, there's a video of me running um, down Whitehall with several hundred cops in pursuit with a pair of high heels and a cape on. It's got about 3.2 million views running. Um, anyway, that's there. So I, uh, I was arrested. I was, I didn't step foot in their court during the court trial. I just said, no, come and arrest me. They didn't. Uh, they charged me in my absence. I'm now a criminal. Um, they gave me fines, 600, 600, 600. 
you couldn't make it up could you um no. so um I'm still here and I'm still doing things and I'm on Unity News Network now. I lecture, which is my passion. I always lectured on health and nutrition, um, but I'm not going to go away. I'm going to continue until um, the Lord tells me otherwise. And um, that's what I'm here to do is to serve. So in a kind of nutshell, uh, that's me. I live in the beautiful South. I. Um, it, it sounds a strange thing to say, Um I always put myself first because unless I put myself first, I'm of no use to anyone else. I have to look after my mind, body and soul. And um, I have to have my time to myself and my prayers, which I do every day. So um, and that's what we all must do. That is something I say to everyone. You need to put yourself first so that and then you learn to serve because you're only behind God. Um, and he will show you how to serve and then you're good for everybody. You've got to look after yourself first. If you don't look after yourself, you'll be no good. You won't be able to fight the fight. You can't take us, you know, a knife to a gunfight. So you need to really look after yourself first to get in this fight. Well, <clears throat> that uh, I need that advice. So thank you for that. Uh, before we dive into the youth in Asia discussion, so why would I even have somebody from the UK on? Well, the reason is what I the trends that are in the UK that Kate has already exposed. It gives you a picture of what's to come in the United States. In fact, it's already here. It just we're very clever at hiding it. So before we dive into the discussion, I just took a definition of euthanasia, and then I'd like you to expand on it. So the definition is euthanasia is defined as, quote, painless inducement of a quick death, end quote. So how would you expand that definition, Kate, just so that we have everybody on the same page? Well, it's, you, you know, in Latin, euthanatos, a good death. <laughs> well, that's by whose definition? The person who's dead or the one that's still alive? Right. So, yeah. uh, you know, that's where it is. That's where it is. Who's deciding what's a good death? I can tell you right now. I trained as a nurse in 1984 when I was coming up for 19 years of age, I, you know, you can look through any times of austerity and you will see euthanasia. In the Great Depression in America, they were euthanizing your people. Um, you can go right back to the 1700s. Euthanasia is just who, who decides who can live and who can die. And euthanasia is really a, a tool used for eugenics. That's what euthanasia is. It's eugenics on steroids. That's exactly what it is. So you have done an awful lot of research and have connected some dots, including um, stock prices relative to the government funding 2,000 euthanized deaths a day in the UK. Can you uh, share that story so that people can understand literally how this is happening? Well, we have the... Um, we have the Palliative Care Funding Review of 2011. And um, basically, they're telling you how many people are going to die uh, in 2011 and how many people are going to die in 2031. And they go through the age, uh, the demographics of age. And they actually state on page 64, um, which I believe I've sent you that document, haven't I? They state on page 64 <laughs> that they are going to uh, incentivize, incentivize, that means cash for bodies, and they are going to broaden, that means put more people on it, palliative care. 
And it was, uh, up until recently, 1,642.5 patients needed to be euthanized every day in England alone in order for hospitals to get the money to fix their roofs, do their electrics. If they went below that figure, they would lose money. If they went above that figure, they would gain money. Now, they um, did a, um, a news uh, report on one of the lying lies of lies, uh, mainstream media, BBC. If you've still got a telly in the UK, you must be mental. Don't even bother paying for that idiot's lantern. Um, but they uh, they did actually say that they were increasing that to 2,200. Now, what, what's really interesting about, about all of this is just one thing, because this is pertinent to Grace um, Ativan, which is lorazepam. In the month of February 2020, the worldwide share price went up by 34%. 34%. That this is the that, first month, the first month of COVID, February of 2020. Well, actually, it's not even the first month of COVID because the first confirmed case, according to the British Medical Journal, wasn't till March. So <sighs> where were they getting their death figures from? Yeah. So, um, you know, for it to go up 34% in the month of February... 34%. Somebody somewhere knew that there was going to be great big orders of this benzodiazepine, which when you use a benzodiazepine with an opioid, you're going to have a synergistic effect. And it's going to have a, that means you give a drug, it has an effect. You give a drug, it has an effect. You give the two together, they could have a completely different effect. And with, with uh, benzodiazepines and opioid, you're dead right, they do, literally dead right. They have a much greater effect and they kill the patient. And these patients were getting more than prisoners on death row that were being executed. Um, it, it is quite astonishing. Um, I did a, 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 I'll tell you just something new for your, your listeners, which is pertinent. And remember, um, you know, nor shall my sword sleep in my hand till we have built Jerusalem in England's green and pleasant land. All things kind of begin. England is an epicenter to thing and we're, we're not fighting flesh and blood here we're fighting principalities this is a war on the mind the devil uses fear and prejudice and these people are quite incredible now what we have going on in the uk at the moment we have what's called the anglo-indian alliance um you know if you want to call, call me a racist go check my surname out and then shut up really um because, you know, my, my surname is Middle Eastern. I've kept it much to my ex-husband's disgust. But I've been that nearly as long as I was my English one. And my children are mixed race. But look, um, what we have is the Anglo-Indian Alliance, which should be called the Indian-Anglo Alliance. This is very, very important what's going on because it, it involves America. 50% of the drugs, global drugs, on the global market come from India. A huge percentage of American drugs come from India. India is going to double, well, if it's already at 50% of the global market, if they're going to double it, you don't need to have a, you know, a degree in mass to know that's 100%. They are going to be the new superpower. And in the UK, we have the Indian diaspora and a conservative group. They worked uh, with the conservative friends of India. And this is a who's who of Indian people. Now, only a quarter, that's 25% of Indian drugs, um, Indian drug companies, sorry, only a quarter of Indian drug companies qualify for the World Health Organization standards. 
That means that 75% of the drugs that are going to come out of India from factories, these are factories, they're not laboratories, do not even qualify for the World Health Organization standards. Now, we've got a man called Ranil Jayawadina, and he's half Sri Lankan, half Indian. And he was the former minister for international trade for 2020-2022. And then Liz Truss, who was our prime minister, just long enough so that she could get a lifetime payment. Oh, did I really say that? Um, was appointed him leader of DEFRA. That's all our livestock. Now, I go on because this is important. Ranil is in the top 200 ranking Indian origin leaders. And when he was minister for international trade, he had a share option for PEP T-Cell. And if you look up who PEP T-Cell is, P-E-P-T-C-E-L, they're chartered accountants and they work under the umbrella called SEEK. And they're, they're an Indian drug company and they're marketing states respiratory drugs and vaccines. So get your head around this because this is going to happen to a lot more graces. Yes. You're going to have 75% of the drugs coming on the market are going to be contaminated. They don't even measure up to the World Health Organization standards. They're all coming in. We don't even have an agency anymore because it was got rid of by the Conservative Party that's checking these drugs. And they are using respiratory drugs and vaccines. And they're already in discussions with Modi from India. And they're bringing together the fantastic deal between the fifth and sixth, the largest econo economies, which will be the mother of all free trade agreements. Now, what they're using there is diethylene glycol industrial solvent in massive Indian factories, and it's ending up in cough syrups. It's ending up in medicines. So not only are you going to get these patients getting these drugs, you're going to get these patients getting contaminated drugs. We've already had loads of kids die around the world from contaminated cough syrup because a third of the paracetamol on the market is contaminated. So that's 20 4% of all drugs coming out of India are contaminated. Um, and the Conservatives in the UK have opened Britain up to contaminated drugs. And you in the US use a lot more of their drugs. So what we've got here, oh gosh, dear she say it. Do we have an Indian takeover with contaminated drugs? They do not care about their own people because they're contaminating their water, their land, their livestock, their food. They just care about one thing, and it's money, these politicians, these people in government. And they're bringing all these drugs on the market to do what? They're not going to make you well. If they were going to make you well, they'd all be, all be bust. It's to make you sick and kill you. And unless you don't get your head around that, we have in the UK the planned incentivized euthanasia point system. We now have algorithmic medicine. You used to have your naturopathic and your allopathic Algorithmic medicine is where they look at you, they population triage you. One of our newspapers ran a story on this in, I think it was the September of 2020, and they were the editor was summoned into, part, into government to be spoken to by Boris, Boris Johnson, that was our PM. They are population triaging you. Now, how are they doing that? They're going to look at, what are you worth? What are you paying in tax? 
How many comorbidities do you have? How many working years do you have left? What use are you? And if you're not used for anything or anyone, this algorithm with your digital pass all on one on one centralized you know thing that they look at you're going to pitch up at a hospital and they're going to say um yeah this is the protocol for youth in, in the uk it's ng191 it was ng163 so all you're going to be getting is removal of all your food water and essential medication and they're going to give you drugs like benzodiazepines yes. opioids hyacine to dry up your secretions so everyone else can't hear you dying. And let me tell you, they don't even need to get you into the hospital to do this in the UK. They're doing it in your own home. I've seen under the Freedom of Information, the medicines the paramedics can give you. I don't know why they just don't put a pillar over your face. And one of those drugs they're now giving is, uh, which they give in, um, they give it as a pre-med. They're giving haloperidol. Now, I, I believe the dose is 500 micrograms. There's a thousand micrograms in a milligram. They're giving five milligrams when you should only be giving 500 micrograms. You know, there's only one way out of this when you're starting to get your benzodiazepines, your opioids, your haloperidol, your hyacine, several other central nervous system. The only suit you're going to be wearing out of that hospital is a zip up bag with your tag on your toe. That's it. They know it. They know it. They know it. And if you look through history and you look back to 1933 with the Third Reich, before they even started on the gypsies, the Jews, the Jehovah's Witnesses, the blacks, the um, the Polish that, you know, I don't want to miss anybody out, the Christians, because people always get upset if I miss them out. It was the Holocaust. Yeah, we know it was, but lots of people died. Right. Before that, they were guillotining in the basements of 80 town halls, the elderly and the disabled. Get your head around that. They were chopping their heads off. The youngest they guillotined was a 17-year-old girl who was handing out leaflets, her and her older brother. Now, the nuns and the priests that went along with it because they believed it was all for the greater good, they were okay. The, the ones that wouldn't hand over these disabled people, they also faced the same fate. That was before they moved on to the others. They guillotined them. So what we're seeing now is they use the same people. If you go back through history, who does the killing? It's always the doctors and the nurses. Absolutely. That's that's right on. And, you know, <clears throat> Kate, you did just a fantastic job going through what's happening in the, the brief history on top of it. And people think that this isn't happening in the United States yet. And I'm just going to share a quick thing, and Kate, you can comment on it. So you're familiar with Ezekiel Emanuel, I'm, I'm certain. is So he was one of the country's most influential bioethicists, and he's the prime architect of Obamacare. And he wrote in 1996, and I'm quoting now, services provided to individuals who are irreversibly prevented from being or becoming participating citizens are not basic and should not be guaranteed, end quote. This is literally what Kate just said. So now he's the architect of Obamacare, and you think, well, that couldn't have happened. Uh, Obamacare was passed March 23rd of 2010. So this is what I'm going to show you next. Kate is ultimately responsible for because she motivated me to, to dig into this in the United States. So, Don, bring up the uh, first, first link. Uh, so, Kate, you can read this right with me. It's in the third paragraph. 
It says individuals or institutions. This is, okay, so first, this is, uh, oh, thanks, Don. So this is a, a provision in Obamacare, Section 1533, and it says individuals or institutions refusing to participate in assisted suicide, euthanasia, or mercy killing may not be discriminated against by the government entities receiving federal financial assistance under this act or health plans, blah, blah, blah. Okay, so wrap your head around this. This is right out of Obamacare. Mercy right? killing. Exactly. Mercy it's, right, killing. It's, right in the, it's right in the law. So, I mean, thank you, Kate, for, for, for that. So, I mean, in the United States, we are professionals at projecting our sin and pointing fingers at other countries. And I mean, we are literally doing it. And, you know, of course, I'm going to go through Grace's Grace's case and have you comment on that also. But um, I have one more I want to show. Don, can you bring the, the next one up and I'll show you um, the CMS. This one, we're just going to look at the title and then I want to comment on it. So the title says, <clears throat> CMS discontinues prior guidance on visitation restrictions. So when Grace was in the hospital, it was by God's grace that I was able to stay with her because the United States was under lockdown in the hospitals. They wouldn't let anybody come in to visit. No, So the patients were alone in their rooms. And so after two years, CMS discontinues that policy. So the reason I'm commenting on that is because people do not realize the Hippocratic Oath is dead. We have been programmed to believe the Hippocratic Oath, which in short says do no harm. It is dead. CMS is sets the standards. There is no Hippocratic Oath. CMS is Center for Medicare. CMS is Center for Medicare. They set the standards. So even though you think Medicare and Medicaid services set the standard, you saw that our standard for the entire medical profession. And they do this because if you don't follow their standards, the, the medical facilities reimbursement rates are cut. So they, they literally are influencing and setting the standard for the entire system. So Kate, if you have a comment on, on that as it relates to the United States would be fantastic. The, the whole, I'm still getting my head around the Obamacare thing. The Hippocratic Oath, going back to the Hippocratic Oath, Doctors don't take the Hippocratic Oath. They haven't taken it for years in the UK. All that you have now is it's a tick box. They tick on the General Medical Council. Um, the nurses have the Nursing and Midwifery Council taken over by the government in 2001, and they tick that they've done the right amount of hours of study, the right amount of hours of work. Um, they are following protocols. They're not, they're not, they talk the talk, um, you know, it is all nonsense. I've actually got a copy of the uh, Nursing and Midwifery and the GMC. I've got all the papers here. Um, it, it, it's like, a, how can I put this? It, it's a fake front so that you think that what, what, is, what is healthcare and what these people are and what you're getting. But it's just, it's like a curtain, but actually what's behind it is completely different. That's, that's right on. And, and the, the next one is also uh, courtesy of you in this digging. So Don, bring up the, the new death panel document. The death I think panel. I've shown this to you before, Kate, yeah, when I found it. I can't get over the mercy killing bit. I'm still on that bit on Obama. I mean, who was Obama? Where did he come from? Yeah. 
So this charter for MedCAC, this is the new death panel under, so Obamacare called for death panels, just like you described. But then in 2018, Congress shut down the death panels, but now it res got resurrected with the Health and Human Services Secretary. And if you look at the date on the third page, this is the day before Thanksgiving. And then it got recorded. So it was approved. Oh, this one isn't the signed one. I've got a signed one, but that. Uh, so it was signed November 23rd, which is the day before Thanksgiving. And then it was filed on November 24th. And let's go up to page one, Don. And you'll see what this, this new uh, organization under CMS is. It says specifically under objectives and scope of activities. They're charged with deciding which medical items and services are reasonable, necessary, or otherwise covered for Medicare beneficiaries under Title 18 of the Social Security Act? Well, I, I, what I got just got done telling you, when CMS does something, it is for the whole population. It isn't just uh, people on Medicare and Social Security. They set the standard for the entire medical system because they control reimbursement rates based on the percentage of your patients that follow the protocols. So now we have Obamacare passed that specifically calls for euthanasia. We have the new death panels put in place. And what I want to share um, next, which is, is the biggest uh, discovery of all, in my opinion, is before COVID, there were 62 million Americans on Medicare and Medicaid. Now there is 100 million. So it was during the three years of COVID, there's a 38 million person increase of people on Medicare and Medicaid. So of course the government says, well, we relaxed the standards so everybody could get care, but they that wasn't the purpose. Kate just told you what the purpose was. It's so that you get now you're on the you're on the list to get told tagged early. That's what's going on here. And she also said that, so how are they going to implement this? Well, they're going to implement it not just with the hospitals because the hospitals are getting exposed. You know, we're one of the groups that's exposing it. So they're going to implement it with nursing homes. They're going to implement it with hospice care. And they're going to implement it, as Kate just said, with paramedics. So uh, this is this is a huge deal. Um, so I'm going to I want to go through a couple of examples. But Kate, your comments first before I go through the literal example. So, well, we had the exercise sickness document, a prepared document from 2016 with Jeremy Hunt's name all over it. Um, we also have Anne Winterton, who was involved in the anti-euthanasia bill. She was actually, you know, made some they said it was a racist comment at a dinner and that was her discrediting that. But this anti-euthanasia bill, um, sorry, the youth. Um, the prevention of euthanasia bill, sorry, um, still stands today. Um, what they've done is, uh, the, the bottom line here is that a very small group of people want you dead. Uh, they don't want you having babies. Correct. And they don't want you growing old. And this is fourth generation warfare. No blood needs to be shed. No weapon needs to be fired. And they're going to get rid of you. And what they're going to do is they're going to make you sick. And how are they going to make you sick? They're going to make you sick by injecting you with this bioengineering weapon. And it's it's experimental. So they need you to keep coming and having uh, booster, booster, booster. And how are they going to make you have the booster? Um, they're going to make it very difficult where um, they're trying to bring everyone into this one blockchain. Um, they're going to make you eat rubbish foods. 
They're going to put things right. in your foods that are not nutrient dense. So they're going to degrade your immunity. They're going to spray you from above, which they are doing. And they're going to put toxins in your water, which they are doing. Aluminium and mercury pushes down your immunity anyway. It's cumulative in the brain and, and so on and so forth. Um, they are going to stress you by constantly bombarding your mind with all of this propaganda about wars and everything else. This is all linked. And what they're then going to do is they're going to take your young ones and convince your young ones, your children, that you are surplus to requirements because you are beyond childbearing age now. You're old or you're decrepit or you're disabled and you have no use to society. And that is what's going on. It is a bucket with a dripping tap. This is not something that just began in 2022. These people are eugenicists and they've been going a long time and they come from a lineage of eugenicists and they are going to make you sick and they don't need you to go into the hospitals. They are going to kill you in your own homes. And they're also going to pull in your family and friends and neighbors into this so that if you get sick, they'll be concerned for you and they'll make that telephone call to 111, whatever it is in America, 999. And this is what's happening. And then out come the paramedics. Now, the other thing they're going to do is they need to get, get you in there if you've got any money left. So in the UK, they get you in the hospital and then they put a doll on you, D-O-L, and you can't go home to your house because the consultant and the social care in the hospital say that you're a danger to yourself. So this is what they did during the first lockup. They then shipped 90,000 patients out of the hospital into the care homes and the care homes are owned by two companies, one being HC1 and it's a rich Arab billionaire. So then they offer incentives to the care homes. They give them a one-off payment. Plus they give them, they gave them 3,300 pounds extra per week on top of the fee to have those patients in. And then they had 90,000 more coming in and they got money if they diagnosed them with a condition, COVID, they got money if they died of COVID and they got money if they put them on ventilators. So you see, it's very lucrative. And unfortunately, when we idolize idolatry, the love of money, then, then you have the perfect storm. Right. Now, for all those people out there that are saying, well, I'm okay, you know, I've got my home, got my Nike trainers, got my TV, my cable TV, I'm not old, I'm still going out. You know, all this idolatry of pop stars and um, sports personalities and everyone else, you know, you're all going to, if you're lucky, you get to be old but you're not going to get old because they're going to make you sick because they have one agenda and it's to kill you. So everybody is in a funnel right now, folks. We're all in a funnel. All of us are in a funnel. And that funnel has only one way out and it's down the spout, which is end of life care. That's it. That's right. And they are making you sick in many ways. And if you go into that funnel by your own accord or you get put in that funnel. Now that might mean that you're buying into this whole system. You're only going out of there one way and it's down that spout. And um, these, these people that are doing this are such a minute amount of people. It's not them, it's us allowing it. And nurses and doctors are nothing more than executioners. Because yes, if they weren't, they wouldn't, they wouldn't be wearing a mask, which does nothing. It's a splash guard. And when you, they wear their visors, it shows their ignorance. 
their lack of education, the fact that they don't even know that it's doing nothing, and the fact that they're complying means that they're not advocating for their patients. Now, in America, there was a 90-year rule which was overturned by the Supreme Court, I believe, in 2020. So nurses are no longer protected if working underneath a doctor. Um, they used to be protected. They're Correct. setting them up as well. Um, in the UK, they're bringing in AI. They don't need the nurses anymore because they don't even need the doctors. They need very few. They've got algorithmic medicine. So you go in, like I said, they're going to triage you with the algorithm. It's AI, so it's learning all the time. Right. And then they can't say, we're not going to do that. Doctors can no longer disagree and give you another treatment. They'll be out of a job. So much as it upsets, and I've upset the Jewish community so many times, but you should actually see if anyone's watching this, that I'm completely on your side of what's happened. We are looking at another Holocaust. And what, what, what are we seeing here? What actually are the ambulances and, and the hospitals? I call them the hospitals, the scare homes, and the National Harm Service. For Grace, Grace went into an establishment with the very people that were entrusted to care for her, to advocate for her, what was in her best interests. Where in her best interest was it to kill her? And she was killed. Because she was given she was given central nervous depressants, opioids, until her breathing was so shallow and she stopped. I'm gonna show a couple of examples here, Kate, because what I and the reason I'm gonna go here, I'm gonna show uh, Grace's death and then another Down syndrome girl's death uh, in a graphic form so that people can can see it and then you can comment. And the reason I'm doing this is because you know, what, what you and I are talking about and what you and I know is true, I don't think most people can wrap their head around it. And I think- Well, they better do because it's coming for them and it's coming for their children and it's coming for their parents and their aunts and their uncles. And when they've none of them left, they're coming for you. It starts with accepting what has actually happened. And so that's why I want to go through these two and have you comment. So Don, can you bring up Grace's timeline first? We're going to go through both of these and then I'll have you comment, Kate. So specifically, if you take a look at at 546. So at 546, Grace was on a dose of Presidex that was 14 times the dose that she started on four and a half days earlier, which that was illegal according to the package insert. So now she's at that level of Presidex, super high dose. Then they give her two doses of lorazepam back to back at 546 and 549, and at 615, they gave her a two milligram dose of morphine. So in 29 minutes, she had literal meds that they use for end of life and hospice care that would have taken us all out. So now we'll go to the next one, Don. I want you to, this one takes a little bit to set up. So I'm gonna have you first bring up the article. I'm gonna introduce you to Dr. Joel, Joel Zivet through this article. So bring up the article, Don. All right. So scroll down to the second paragraph. So this article is dated November 16th of 2021. So Dr. Joel Zivet, you see him introduced here. Uh, he is, he, he uh, considers himself an expert. It says here he regularly campaigns against the use of lethal injection for execution in the United States. So he's against this. All right, so now we'll go to the next one, Don. 
that it should be the death row med request. All right, so now remember Dr. Joel Zymet, that was November 21st or November 16th, 2021. He wrote a paper dated August 17th of 2014 titled The White Coat Avail for State Killing. Most of the work I do could have this title. So here he's writing about uh, they're using doctors in uh, the death row facilities to inject death row um, uh, uh, <laughs> death row people with, uh, with the meds. I mean, he's writing against it. All right, so now we fast forward to April of 2020. So now right in between these two papers. So this first is, is a newspaper or a, a newspaper report that says doctors are requesting lethal injection meds to help treat COVID-19 patients. So the news got a hold of this on April 14th. All right, so scroll down, scroll down, Don, please. Okay, here's an excerpt from the letter. You see Joel Zivit is the leading doctor writing this letter. So he's writing, so there's, I think, 19 states that, that uh, have lethal injection as their method for, for killing. So he's, he's writing, your states are currently holding for use in lethal inje injection executions. Well, I got to start over. Your states are currently holding for use in lethal injection executions are in short supply and desperately needed to treat patients suffering from COVID-19. Uh, I'm taking that out of context there, but he's he knows these state institutions have the lethal injections and he is the lead doctor requesting these for use in COVID-19. Let's scroll down, Don. I want to just show, show now this, this lady, um, Megan, she's a Down syndrome lady from Connecticut. And if you look at, this is the day before she died, she was given, so he was specifically requesting fentanyl, midazolam, and verconium bromide. If you look at her, her, invoice that her mother got after she requested the invoice her last day or the day before her last day she was given midazolam fentanyl and verconium bromide i mean it's it's hard to even grasp this so you have grace was taken out by end of life meds and you have megan taken out by death row meds so kate i want you to comment wow well um I'm a bit speechless. I'm an independent, trained and qualified nurse prescriber. That means before I told them, you know, <laughs> I didn't want that registration anymore. I could prescribe drugs within my scope. So I understand drugs. I, I, I'm, I'm quite disturbed, to be perfectly honest. I'm disturbed by the amounts I've just seen. I'm disturbed that... Uh, I'm disturbed mostly the fact that the nurses and doctors who were giving that would have known that that was going to kill them. Right on. Um, I, when we talk about, when we talk about end of life, end of life care, I, I'm not a fan of palliative care. I'm going to tell you that right now because uh, we have, I, I work um, nutrition advice for patients. I work very closely with another lady who is an expert. We're both cancer survivors. Who's an expert in cannabis, and I personally, I don't, I don't deal with cannabis. So you know, you don't need to kick my door in with your guns. Um, all I do is I advise them on nutrition, and it's up to the patient. I have seen patients who are completely lucid, 
and they die pain-free because they've taken high THC cannabis oil rectally and orally. Um, when a patient is dying, and any of you who's not seen it, think about your pets. What will happen is they'll start to slow down and they'll want to sleep more. And then they will, um, they'll stop eating and drinking. They don't want to. They just don't want to. And I'm not talking about, I'm talking about someone that's very old and frail or they've got the disease process going on. Then their hands and feet go cold and then their limbs go cold because the blood will all go to their vital organs, the heart, the liver, the lungs, the brain. And that's a normal process. And this process takes a couple of days. And then they will stop swallowing their saliva. And as you hear the air come out, which might not be, their breathing might be more erratic. You know, they might only be breathing twice a minute. You'll hear that little gurgle. And that's just the air coming out past the saliva that they're not swallowing. It's all normal. I've seen patients right up to that point, completely pain-free and lucid, talking to their loved ones with their loved ones. That's a good death. That is a good death. Um, to what we had on the 20, 29th of April, 2020, we had doctors being given the authority to decide patients who were critical frailty scores six through nine. So one is, you know, you're, all, you're all, like me, I'm fine. Nine is someone that's terminally ill, so they could have a year to live. I mean, how awful is that? That year, if you're old, is a very long year. It's a good amount of your life that's left. But your class is critical for OT score nine. Six is somebody who might have had a stroke. They might need help with washing and dressing. They might just be blind, but they hold a full-time job down. That's critical for OT score six. So anyone who's critical for OT score six who got ill could, ha could have all their food, water, and essential medication removed. And even managers in the scare homes who weren't medically trained could place someone at end-of-life care. Now... The doctors will know that that amount of drugs and the nurses, because these nurses are working in these arenas all the time. Yeah. So they know that that amount of drugs, that patient is not going to walk out of there. They know, they know, they know. Yeah. And so when I see that, I, I find it very difficult because um, I'm going to say this right out. This is nothing new. I trained as a nurse in 84 and I saw this happening then. And this is why I'm not a fan of palliative care. I had a fear of hospices and I've only been in a hospice once. And it was when my friend was dying. And well, when I saw my friend have her life ended within 48 hours with morphine and midazolam. There are two points here. One is this is an agenda. And quite clearly, these two young people were murdered and those people who did it knew that it would end their lives. And they believe in their sick, twisted, messed up minds that they are angels of mercy, whatever they are, um, that it's all for the greater good and they're doing the right thing. Right. And that's what, that's what's then, the there's the, then there's the opposite side here of that we, particularly in the West, do not accept that dying is part of living and we don't want to see it and so for instance you know just going back slightly I know I'm sort of going all over but I'll bring it together um respirations we have documents the same in America and here that state ones now that if the patient is uh uh 
suffering from uh, respiratory problems. And they say if your respirations are 12 to 20, that's normal. Anything above that is abnormal or below that. Well, deep sea divers drop their resps to four breaths per minute. It's not unusual for elderly people to have respirations of 32, but that's classed as being, uh, having dyspnea. And these patients are being put on these drugs. Now, it was difficult for me to read that and watch that because, of course, I know that Grace was sent to her death. You were advised to take her there by yet another group that are proponents of what's going on. So, you know, I, I often think of all these people now are all wings of the same bird. Correct. And, uh, you know, the your, your truthers. Um, for me, we, we, we have a weapon and that weapon is medicine. We have a venue. It's anywhere you are. It's your home. It's your ambulance. It's your hospital. It's your nursing home. It's your hospice. And we have the perpetrator of this heinous crime, and it's the medics and the nurses. And actually, and I'm sure America's not far behind, in the UK, during the pandemic, scamdemic, and I just want to say, that doctor, I wrote his name down, talking Joel B. Zivit, I almost said Zionist there. Um, anyway, Joel, oh gosh, there'll be, internet will be screaming, she said a bad word. Um, but Joel B. Zivit, I didn't have my glasses on, Joel. Um, he's talking about COVID-19. It's SARS-CoV-2 was never isolated ever in a human being, ever. COVID-19, I mean, it's like the, they perpetuate their own BS. I agree. So what they're doing, it, I'm speechless. It's like the idiots have taken over the asylum. The lunatics have taken over the asylum. They really have. And um, the hospitals are, are not a safe place. The doctors are not people that you can trust anymore. And you can't trust your kindly nurse who goes out to work with her ID round her neck, swinging in a white dress. I mean, where's she off to? Remember that at the Nuremberg trials, there were 900 pages of evidence, eight tons of evidence in the medical trials. And many of those nurses and doctors went to jail. Many went to jail for life and many of them were hanged. One of those nurses was found guilty for killing 5,000 children decades later. Why, what did they do? They gave experimental vaccines, they gave experimental treatments, but they, they gave them chemical koshas. They withheld food and water and essential medication. They placed them outside and let them die of exposure. Um, you know, I've seen too many of these fat nurses dancing on these TikTok videos. They, you know, overworked and underpaid. Are you kidding me? They don't look overworked and underpaid. They all look well-paid and they all look well-fed. And uh, what, what were they doing? Taking some innocent girl, Grace, in. And I'm going to speak as Grace is plural for every other Grace. Yeah, that's right. And uh, doing that. I saw them dancing. They clearly had time to do these dance routines because the hospitals weren't full. Because it was easy, because when the patients came in, you didn't need to worry about feeding them. I even saw, let me tell you, I'm, this is horrible for your listeners. But you know what? 
I've seen some pretty horrible things in my life. By the grace of God, I've not really seen war, but I've seen horrific road traffic accidents. I've seen abortions. I've seen babies ripped to pieces in the name of medicine and the name of, you know, uh, own your body, whatever you want to call it, ladies. Try holding the pill between your knees and then we wouldn't be murdering our babies. You know, it's, it's all so horrific for me. But you know what? I'm seeing how many people I can offend in one statement here. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I, 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 I just can't. I've seen some pretty horrific things in my life. I really have. But there's, there's nothing more horrific than seeing the people that were entrusted to care for you killing you. And that's what they did. I saw patients. I saw a Down syndrome lady in her 40s who went into hospital same as Grace, and they took away her food and water. And by the time her sister got in to see her when she was dead, her tongue was completely black and out of her mouth. And Down syndrome children do have larger tongs. And her tongue was completely black. You know, you should go read up. Everyone watching this should go and read up. There, uh, there is an article. I read it. Or I think I posted it. Um, about what actually happens when you when they dehydrate you to death it's horrific it's horrific this is not this is not mercy killing this is when when they're deciding on on who should live and who should die i bet if you put 100 people at the end of life care uh, well they're doing it in the uk and you said to them is it all right if we kill you i'm sure they'd all say no and you know what else they're doing as well? They're, they're coercing the relatives into, well, if we, you know, it, we're not going to draw down from your estate if your loved ones put an end of yeah. life care. Otherwise, it's all good. So then the elderly relative or the disabled relatives goes, well, I feel really guilty about being alive. The indicator of a true and civilized society is the society that takes care of its elderly and its young and its infirm. And if you've reached the point where you think that you're an angel and you're killing people, you're going to face justice. And if not in this life, in the next. Because let me tell you, right outside is an angry mob with pitchforks. And never in history, not in my 57 years, have I seen so many lay people who are able and capable of reading peer-reviewed studies, of researching drugs, of getting and seeing what's going on, and when that mob realize what you've done, you might not face justice the way that you think you might under the Rome statute. That angry mob are going to come for you. And there's nothing going to stop them. And, uh, you know, they're starting to see it now. I've actually started saying to nurses, do not go to work in your uniform. Put your uniform in the car, in the boot of the car in a bag. Because um, pe the people are seeing it. They're seeing it. But um, the you can't hide, you know, the, the drugs thing that, that's coming. You know, this is a bit like, a, a you know, a, a, I don't want to say the swear word, but it begins with S-H and it rhymes with sit. It's a it's a it's a sandwich. It's a doo doo sandwich. We started, you know, on, on niceties and fat Dave the cat here again. And then we've given you all the horrors in the middle. And, uh, you know, we must always always say that there is a way out of this there really is and well, uh let me um 
let me share the way out and then I want you to have the the final comment. So you know, the, God is the way out. And this scripture has been on my mind now for about three weeks. It's Hosea 4.6. Uh, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And, you know, so what we're doing and, you know, Kate is in the same, you know, uh, boat that I am is we're trying to get the word out so that people are not destroyed for lack of knowledge. And, you know, so the way out, uh, so Kate started this, and I think it's it's right on, is that the only way out is through our Lord Jesus. And so that's why Kate said she doesn't mind if they take her. I don't mind either. I'm going to be with my, my best buddy when that happens. So the only thing that matters is Christ died, he was buried, and he rose again on the third day so that whoever believes in him will have eternal life. So I see that as the ultimate thing that we've been programmed to not believe. You know, we've been programmed to believe the doctors are following the Hippocratic Oath. I hope you see that is absolutely not true. Uh, but we've also been programmed on a way different level to believe in man as the solution to all of our problems. And man is not the solution to anything. So Kate, I would like you to have the, the last word. I was just looking looking something up there for it well romans 13 if we all stuck to romans 13 we'd be fine love your neighbor as you love yourself and we should all love ourselves because we're created in the lord's image put yourself first so if you're putting yourself first you're going to love your neighbor the same you can't go wrong there you can't kill you can't lie you can't covet your neighbor's wife you can't do any of it and the the doctors and the nurses you know they uh that for me that's you don't take a system that's so corrupt and so bad and try and fix it you know what you do you turn away from it you turn away from it and you build something new every morning i say lord show me how to serve you show me how show me how to serve and in revelation it tells us that we'll be deceived by the merchants and their sorcery which right. is goes back to, when you go back to the greek translation translation sorceries you know pharmakia and we, we have to take responsibility for ourselves, our children. And we cannot continue the way that we're living. We can't go and eat all the garbage, you know, go out to that place with the clown uh, and the big M and uh, eat all that garbage and drink, you know, drink all that garbage and be shopping for, for things, new things, new things. We can't continue like that That's right. and expect to an expect to have a good healthy life it doesn't work like that you know the the membrane of we are what we eat today's food becomes tomorrow's cells no amount of exercise or pharmaceutical drugs are an offset for a poor diet and so we can't continue like that and expect their system to fix us with a petroleum pill right so we have to take responsibility here and we need to turn away from that system and it was ephesians i believe it's ephesians 6 11 put on your full armor of god and our full armor of God, everything is, the Bible, science isn't discovering anything new. It's trying to catch up with the Bible. It's all in the Bible. It's already in there. Um, you know, everything we need should be in the seeds, the fruits, the trees, and the herbs are our medicine. Um, all our diet, you can avoid and reverse disease naturally with diet. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. And we, 
we we have to be looking at all of that. You know, something setting up a new system. If they want to stay in their system, those doctors and those nurses, they can go there. I've already told them, don't bother joining the British Nursing Alliance. We don't want you. I'm not interested. Uh, it's called the sanctity of life. If you're not on the same wavelength of me, don't even get in line. Get out of my line. Um, we don't want them. We don't want to be in your system. We're, we're building a new one over here. You can keep your utopia. We're in Godopia over here. <laughs> and, right on. and you know what? That full armor of God, your, your shoes in preparation of the gospel, your belt, your girdle of truth. We all tell white lies. Try and be, every day I try and do something better. Our shield to bat off whatever they're throwing at us. Our helmet of salvation, which is our hope. Stop listening to your telly and your and your your celebrities and these these politicians. And it's just politics is Hollywood for ugly people. You know, they're, they're, it really is. Um, pick up your Bible, and and all of those are are weapons of defense. Your only weapon of offense is your sword, your word. Your word, we overcome Satan with our personal testimony that the word of God tells us what the blood of Jesus does for us. I don't bash anybody over the head with a Bible. I, I'm banned from a few churches. Um, but what I'm trying to do, I try to, to fathom it all out. We don't need that. If we live the right way, we're not going to get sick. We, If we teach our children the most important year of a child's life is the year before it's conceived. So who's that? The mother. So we have to teach these young women at the young age how to eat right. We have to teach them how it's it's not good to have endless relationships, and and what that does to us. I, it's we have to go back, and I, I have to say I I love I've been a I've been a worldly woman. Oh, I was a real dolly bird, and um, I had far too many pairs, pairs of shoes. But I got a tap on the shoulder when I got cancer, and I, I'm grateful for it because it was to stop everything. And that's what we need to do. And, and then the answers are all there. So, you know, when I went, I'm, I'm, in fact, we mustn't, we mustn't say I'm sick of it. You see, our word is our sword. Every word is a vibration. And 93% uh, of the function of our DNA is light and sound transmission and reception. What goes up will come down. It's called karma. So speak the word. But you know, you know when they talk about Dr. Fauci, who cares? Get growing your food. Who cares about what Trump and uh, whoever, I mean, who's that other bloke that's got Alzheimer's or he looks like he has your president? The doddery one, what's his name? Biden, Biden. Joe Biden. Yeah. <laughs> and, and all of the stuff, all of the stuff of his, fun, you know, his son and what his son's putting up his nose and whatever else, I don't care. Right. I don't care. Those are all distractions. Yeah, I care about getting my greenhouse up and getting some chickens and, uh, I, you know, but I, look, you, you'll discover some, let me tell you one thing simple before we end today. Everyone who knows me always knows I smell of garlic and onions. It's better than any contraception, let me tell you, but <laughs> garlic was given to us. Garlic was given to us by the Lord and it's antimicrobial, it's antifungal, it's, and you eat it raw. And you get well on it. And it's the most incredible thing. And onions, you know, you can you can slice onions up, put them in a jar, put some honey in, some water in, leave it for 12 hours, take the onions out, have a spoonful four times a day, a tablespoon. When you've got a cough, your cough's going to go. 
do you believe how fantastic this world is? It's beautiful. It's beautiful. And grace is in. She's at the right hand of the Lord. She has. And, you know, I, I, the one thing I, I pray for is when I, when I leave here, will I have done enough? Well, I, I... That's what we all should be asking ourselves. When we leave, have we done enough? So for me, I'm not going to die with this breath in me and I'm going to keep going and I'm going to create a new system so that my children and my grandchildren and their children can hopefully live a good life. And, and we'll dedicate that to Grace, this show to Grace and her memory. Because looking at that picture with those flowers and looking at what they gave her, I want to see justice done in this life. Kate, thanks a lot for coming on today. It's really quite a blessing. My pleasure. Quite a blessing to have you. Thank My you. My pleasure. And for any of you nurses out there that don't like what I'm saying, your name's on it. You signed for it. Your signature's all over those documents. You've signed it. You may as well have signed it in your own blood. And history teaches us one thing. You're going to stand justice for justice. And if you don't get justice in this life, you're going to get it in the next. You better be afraid. And now might be the time to speak up. Thanks, Kate. Thank you so much. Please stand by for further details. We return you now to your regularly scheduled program.